All right, uh, here we are with part two of the Trey Oates podcast. Um, first podcast, we covered a lot about the sport in general, a little yeah. bit about your career. Yep. Um, and I was lucky enough today to meet with your strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I'm sorry, what's his uh, name? Thomas Rowling. Coach Tom, Rowling. Thomas Rowling. Yeah. Yeah, great guy. We had a great talk about strength and conditioning, and, and you're a nutrition major, so mm -hmm. I figured today maybe we should talk a little bit about more about nutrition, training, maybe even some technique stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, why don't, why don't you start off about your nutrition major? Like, what, what made you choose nutrition? Okay, so that's kind of an interesting story, too. So, basically, going into college, I think a lot of people are undecided. I wasn't undecided. I knew I wanted to do something associated with making me, like, a better athlete, essentially. Okay. And so, I originally started as an exercise science major. Um, and if you know what exercise science is, I mean, it's, it's more of a broad major than it is a very focused kind of thing. So, right, it's, it's right. more of a grad school kind of thing like mm -hmm. I'm gonna major in exercise science and I'm gonna go to grad school right so uh, after my freshman year I want to say I kind of realized it wasn't really narrow enough for me so I you know I was interested in nutrition so I thought you know what I'll do uh, foods and nutrition so we have two majors we have uh, nutrition and dietetics and foods and nutrition and um, this is gonna sound really bad but uh, you know the the uh, is it Marshawn Lynch or the guy from Ohio State? What's his name? Cardell Jones. Okay, he said somewhere he's like, I didn't come here to play school. He's like, <laughs> I came here to play football. So like, I didn't come here to run school. I came here to run track. Right. Right. And, and right. so so the two majors are uh, foods and nutrition and nutrition and dietetics. Nutrition and dietetics is how you become a registered dietitian. Right. Okay. So. Uh, you you got to take a test at the end. I mean, it's not a hard test, right? Right, right, but right. You, but you take all the really hard classes like the microbiologies, like the organic chemistries and stuff like right. that where you're a registered dietitian. Now, foods and nutrition, you learn pretty much all the same stuff. You're just not registered to work at like a hospital or something okay. like that. And it's more of like the chef route, like the cooking route, or even like the just like the personal training route. Like okay. we had a guy, a high jumper, do foods and nutrition, and now he kind of like, half owns his own gym. So Okay, like, cool. Yeah, so kind of um, I chose foods and nutrition because I want to learn, you know, nutrition is like, you know, you, you think about training and then being a better pole vaulter. You got training, like weights and running, pole vaulting, you know, number two. Three, you've got like rehab, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then four, you have nutrition. So it's like yeah. nutrition was just one of the big things. I thought if I can just be an expert in this, then – I'm going to be an, a better athlete, so that's kind of why I chose it. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think people do not value enough, like, rest, recovery, and nutrition. It's so, so huge. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because we, we've been talking a lot over the last couple of days. Um, we especially talked a lot uh, at the dinner last night at the steakhouse. That was <laughs> yeah. a blast. Was awesome. um, but you you brought up kind of like some inspiration you had when you were younger. You, you spent some time with your aunt and uncle in Florida. Maybe you want to talk about that because I, I feel like just listening to you talk about nutrition reminded me about those stories about yeah, your aunt and uncle. Dude, that, uh, so like my Uncle Jim and my Aunt Jojo, uh, after high school – uh, my dad moved down to Florida, and they, they, they were actually in Georgia. So, like, I went to high school okay. in Florida or in Georgia. My dad moved to Florida, and so then that summer, going into college, I lived with my aunt and uncle, who were these like bodybuilder, like fitness people. You know, okay. like, hey, I told you earlier, my uncle had just some crazy bench rep thing. He used to do the FCA, like Warriors for Christ, where he'd just like bench press kids for fun, wow. like, stuff like that. <laughs> That's right? awesome. So he was like a bodybuilder. My aunt as well was kind of like a bodybuilder, that kind of stuff. So living with them, they taught me how to eat 
I already knew how to eat well because my mom and dad did a pretty good job of like raising me that way. But they taught me how to eat well on a budget. Okay. So they're very like well off, but they do such a good job of budgeting. And that's honestly why they're so well off is because they do such a good job of budgeting. So Well, and, and the thing is like, you know, and as we were ta- talking about the, this whole week, I mean, looking to be a post-collegiate vaulter as you are, you know, or you're like planning ahead. And, and again, the passion that you have for it is, is awesome. You have to know how to make a budget because to eat healthy on a budget isn't easy always. Yeah. So like I was thinking about it last night, uh, you and I had like a big long talk and I was like thinking, I was like, I know I'm going to talk about nutrition in this podcast. So I was like putting together, obviously I don't want to like list off things to eat, but like as far as like budgeting and eating clean, like it's way easier than you think it is. Mm -hmm. Like I had a roommate last year and you know, I'd always take him to the grocery store. I'm not going to name any names because he'll probably (laughs) listen to this and he'll be like, oh, that's me. um, So he ate like crap. Like he was the worst eater. He'd do like Capri jammers, freaking gummy worms for dinner, like crap like that. And I was like, I don't know how you do that, man. Like, let me take you to the store. Let me show you this. Like, so I went and I bought like what Jim and Jojo, my aunt and uncle, would mm-hmm. buy essentially, you know, and, it, and I was stocking up. So it was like 70 bucks. But I'm like, look, dude, this is going to last me three weeks. Wow. You know? And that's, this is going to be like, that's good. And this is going to be like legit stuff. Like, right. uh, like, you know, you have to, you have to kind of like do, acquire a taste for it though. Like when I first started living with Jim and Jojo, I was like, man, this is gross. Like, <laughs> like Jim, Jim in the mornings would eat uh, like six or seven eggs right? Scrambled eggs, no mm-hmm. salt, no pepper. I mean, you might put like pepper and salt on it. And then he'd do like a tuna and orange juice smoothie for more tuna protein. Tuna and orange juice. Yeah. Mm. And he's just, I mean, he's just like, give me as much protein as possible. Right. And then, uh, like, you know, dinner was like boiled chicken with brown rice and beans and, okay. and maybe yeah. like broccoli or, or uh, Brussels sprouts or something. Yeah, yeah. So like it's, it sounds like very, very bland, very, very boring food. But when you think about anybody who's like putting on muscle or anybody who's trying to eat clean, like that, that is like, that's a staple meal right there. Right. So like, you know, you can change it up a little bit, but you know, that's what you got to do if you're trying to, if you're trying to fuel your body with the best fuel, you can't, you can't screw around and put extra crap in And just to get a little bit more specific. So you said you bought $70 worth of food and you're saying three weeks. What did you buy for $70? I'd like to hear that. Okay. So. Because I I, I was talking to my guy, Calvin Hartman, who's been on the podcast and we're like, dude, we spend like hundred, 150 a week on groceries. So yeah. So first of all, just living in Birmingham and Georgia, price of living is a little lower. Okay. So, so we have Aldi's down the street. Do y'all have Aldi's in New Jersey? No, we don't have okay. Aldi's. Aldi's is the bomb, dude. Okay, because the way they the way the their store works is like they don't really rely on employees. Like okay. the people who go in kind of clean stuff up. So like, <laughs> no, it's so cool. So like, you'll have a box of like, let's just say a box of canned beans, right? right. And then they just they just straight up put the box there, and they're like, right. all right, take all the beans. You put the beans in your cart, and now. They don't do bags or anything like that. So if you want to bag your stuff, you just take the box from the box of beans and then you're like, you put all your groceries in there. Right. And so they okay. literally have one employee running or two employees running the whole store at a time. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. all their food is really, really cheap. Um, I mean, my main thing to always shoot for, I would love to eat fresh food. That's a little bit more expensive, but you know, I'm shooting for frozen food, canned food, canned food. As fresh as I can get, as far as like vegetables well, there, and meat. There was something you mentioned yesterday that your uncle brought up, like uh, about staying around like the perimeter of the grocery yeah, store. Yeah. Okay. So Aldi's is really cool because they literally are built that way. It's like a it's like a hallway you walk through, and so right. you, you walk through these hallways, 
And uh, so, like, let's say, for instance, you go into Publix. Like, that's where most people shop. You're, okay. You guys got Publix? Yeah, we have stuff like A&P. Okay. We have uh, Pathmark, Whole Foods, okay, stuff Whole like Foods. that. Okay, so, for instance, any anything like Whole Foods, all the so, – so, what I say is, like, you want to stay on the outside of a grocery store because you're trying to avoid processed foods. Okay? Right. I told you this last night. Mm-hmm. Everything is processed in a way, right? right if right. I wash an apple off, I've processed it. And if I've cut it into pieces, I've processed it. Right, but right, you're right. But if you can't see the food that came off the plant or the, you know, the, the cow animal, or the yeah, animal, yeah. if you can't see that food, it's too processed, right? right. So a cracker, what is that? Wheat, right? Yeah. It's too processed. So, so you mean like Doritos are bad? I yeah, probably, probably a little bit. <laughs> unless, you, unless you have like Dorito trees. But, um, no, if you, if, so if you start off, go to the produce section, get your produce. Uh, there might be some nuts over there. Get some nuts walk you're walking through like seafood whatever get your seafood get you walking through beef and poultry get that grab your milk grab your like almond milk whatever you do and then you're hitting the cheese aisle you know maybe you want to pick up cheese maybe you don't but as long as you stay out of the inside aisles which is like the ice cream the pop tarts yeah honestly cereal that's really bad like i, I mean I, it's not really bad i do cereal sometimes um, but no, most cereals, I mean, yeah, super so high in sugar and, yeah. and definitely high in carbs. So the thing, the thing that I found that to me works way better than cereal and honestly tastes as good, if not better, is overnight oatmeal. Have you ever done that? I've heard about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So the easy, super easy recipe. Rolled oats are the way you want to go. You don't want to do like any of that instant oatmeal or anything. Yeah, those yeah, are, yeah. Speaking of processed foods, they, yeah. it's just more processed. So rolled oats is literally just been squished oats. It's been right. dried and squished. That's right. it. So you take rolled oats, right? You put, uh, you know, in your bowl, I don't know. I don't really measure things. I just right, have right. Like, oh, okay, this Eyeball, looks good. Yeah. Right, maybe a half cup of oats, maybe three quarters. Okay, put that in there. I put almond milk in mine. You can do regular milk, whatever. Yeah. I do unsweetened almond milk, right? No sugar. Right. Put that in there. I take a banana, chop it up, and then I put it on top of it. Mm-hmm. Because the air from your refrigerator is going to uh, ripen the banana overnight. So it's going to make oh, it kind of wow. brown and mushy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And some people don't like brown and mushy bananas. But that there's literally no added sugar in that. And it's just as sweet as, right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as, um, as cereal. Yeah. Yeah. No, d- definitely. I think stuff like that is great. Um, and I think that idea, like when you told me that last night about staying on the outside aisles of the grocery mm-hmm. store – I've kind of been doing that, yeah, like, you know what I mean? But I didn't even realize, but that's yeah. a great way. And that's, you also shop a lot quicker, guys, if you oh, stay yeah. right away yeah. from those inside aisles. But yeah, you don't want that processed stuff. You want stuff that's as wholesome and as pure as you can get. Yeah. Um, that that was, I think, a great tip. And so, but going back to that $70, so oh, okay. what are you getting okay, for 70 bucks? You really want to know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, I really want to know. Okay, so I, uh, this was like a couple years ago, but. Essentially, well, I still kind of shop this way, really. Yeah. I have more money now, so it's a little bit better. Okay, but this was um, – I probably bought, I want to say, eight or ten cans of tuna or salmon. Okay. okay. Probably more than that, honestly. Eight or ten cans of tuna and salmon. All these eggs for six eggs is 89 cents. Six, right, so 12 eggs. 12 eggs. 12 eggs 89, is 89 cents. Wow, that's – yeah. That's okay, so steal. I bought 24 eggs, right? Bought uh, two things of almond milk. Uh, and they're the they're not like the the paper ones. They're the yeah, jug yeah, the ones. glass jugs. Yeah, 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 the jug ones. So I bought two of those. Um, I I sort of already had like condiments and stuff, but I ended up right. I think I bought like relish or something. Yeah, 
Uh, let me just tell you the recipes I did, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, so sure, for, sure, for, sure. Okay, for breakfast. I well, would, and so you're not buying any other meat. Like you just bought the fish and the eggs. No, 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 no I did. I, I, I'll okay. let you. Okay, so for breakfast, just a real simple one. Uh, it would be like toast with like tuna salad on it and maybe like like some butter melted in the toast or something like that. Okay. Okay, that's breakfast. Lunch. Tuna salad with mayo or how are you making this tuna okay, salad? Okay, yeah, so tuna salad would be straight up can of tuna. Uh, you push some of the water out. Spicy mustard, mayo, relish, uh, what's it called? Apple cider vinegar. Okay. And salt and pepper. And that's awesome. I, I'll tell that's you That's a dollar. That's a dollar. I, I think, I'm just throwing this idea out there, you should make a video post on Instagram of doing one of these recipes. I really should. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. And then I've, I've got, I've got a lot of, on my Instagram too. I, I mean, I don't call my diet the poor man's diet because I do, sp- like, I. my mom told me this when I was young. She goes, what do you want to spend more money on, clothes or your body? And I was like, uh, my body, duh. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, I'm always going to have clothes, right? But, but what if I don't look good? I probably want to spend money on my clothes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you got to hide that body, exactly. No, so it's like you got your body for your whole life. Yeah. You know, my mom was always one to like, oh, we want to get buffalo meat instead of like this fat ground beef. Yeah, we're going to get buffalo yeah, meat. Yeah, That's yeah. like you know, super lean, that kind of stuff, it's $10. Well, it's funny, it's your um, body. the trainer, Mike Boyle from the New England area, mm-hmm. he he had this thing that he said at one time at a seminar where he was like, look, if I told you that I was going to give you this Porsche 911 twin turbo, yeah, but this is the only Porsche you'll ever own, you're going to take care of it, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course, you're going to change the oil, you're going to maintain it, because it's the only Porsche you're ever going to have. Well, he goes, you only have one body, but you treat it way worse than that Porsche. Absolutely. And he goes, and guess what? The replacement parts for your body, not as good as the originals, my friends. So he's like, treat it like, treat your body like a luxury car. And I was like, wow, that's that's a good point. Yeah. I think it's Socrates said, food is thy medicine. And yeah. that's like, dude, that that's like every nutritionist, like on every nutritionist wall and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's so true. It's kind of cheesy, but it's like really, really true. Um, but going back to the $70 yeah, yeah. stuff, because I know you want to know about yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Lunch. Uh, lunch, I would typically eat at the calf, and that was like, you know, sometimes I get stuff from there. But if I wasn't eating the calf, uh, I would have – I had a rice cooker at home that I already had. So mm-hmm. I got a big brown – you can go uh, – Asian supermarkets have the best price on rice. Like, okay. I forget – I think the actual bag of rice itself was $10. Okay. But, like, you can't see in the podcast right now, but it was like the width of my leg. It was that big of rice. Right, right. And so you're talking yeah. about maybe like – a 10 bag, a 10 pound oh, bag yeah, of rice huge. or something. Yeah. It was huge. So much rice. Okay, brown rice. Didn't go with white rice. Um, I didn't, uh, so as far as meat, I didn't buy any like fresh meat. All my meat was frozen. So I had the tuna, I had frozen salmon, and I had frozen chicken breast. Frozen salmon at Aldi's, you can get like 12 pieces of it for like eight bucks. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. like I'd, I'd get like the 12 pieces of salmon. So typically my dinner was like uh, salmon, um, like more rice, probably. I yeah. eat a lot of rice. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, and then some some sort of frozen vegetable. So, like, really, just the tu- just off the tuna and salmon. That was my and the eggs, right? I had some mm-hmm. eggs. That was my protein. As far as carbs, I went with rice. I had some bread here and there, and then some other carbs in the form of like vegetables, and then maybe like some like simple carbs, like sweet potatoes. Um, okay, those are car- complex carbs, like sweet yeah, potatoes. yeah, complex. Carbs, yeah. Um, and then. As far as fats, you know, it was just kind of stuff that I threw in there. The salmon had fat in it. The tuna right. sort of had fat eggs in it. Eggs have fat. The mayo, the eggs. So it's like I was eating a balanced, I was eating balanced diet, and it was really cheap. So. Wow. Yeah. No. I definitely that 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 sounds great because I, I know with me I usually do like fresh meat all the time. See, you know, and I that, would, that I would gets love more to do expensive. That. I would love to do that, but I'm in college. 
I think if you if you want to treat your body right, definitely go for that uh, because a lot of times frozen food, it's not as nutritious as fresh food because – okay, take like frozen vegetables for instance. Right. They're flash ripened and fla- – oh, sorry, flash frozen right, right, right. When, they're, when they're ripe. But, but fresh food in stores, like for instance bananas. Okay, like take frozen bananas, not even close to the nutritional quality of fresh bananas. Not okay. Close. What, and as far as potassium, because a lot of chemicals uh, can break down in the cold. Oh, uh, right, right, The same right, way right, when you right. heat stuff, like yeah, you're, yeah. you're not going to get the same nutrition out of it. You get different nutrition. Right, with, right, like for, broccoli. With, if you eat raw broccoli, that's yeah. way better than, than like well, steamed broccoli. Well, okay, so you talk about the um, – it's called the bioavailability of nutrients. So let's take a cup of spinach, okay, and that has – I don't know off the top of my head, X amount of milligrams of um, calcium, okay? Right. And then you drink a glass of milk, it's going to have the same amount of calcium. Okay, it might be two cups of spinach, right? Right. That's a lot of freaking spinach yeah, yeah, to yeah. one cup of – but the bioavailability, if you ate all that spinach, there's actually like um, chemical compounds that make it – make your body less receptive to the calcium that's coming from that spinach. has just as much calcium as the milk. But you're able to absorb the milk better than you can the spinach. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So what happens a lot with frozen food, and I think you said like raw broccoli and steamed broccoli, is yeah, when you cook stuff, it sometimes can make it more bioavailable for your body. Like humans have been doing that forever. They know mm-hmm. that eating cooked meat is going to be is you're going to be able to digest it more and right. get more out of it than if you just ate like raw beef. So, right. Right. So bioavailability of things is a big thing. Um, you know, we talked a little bit how I'm like a pseudo vegetarian. The reason right. why I'm not a full vegetarian is because you can go vegan. You can get everything you need from vegan except for vitamin B12. You can't get that from yeah. anywhere but an animal. Okay? Right. But the bioavailability of protein from lentils and beans is so, so much less than something from meat. So like if, I, if I'm going to spend my money, I'm not going to buy a million freaking lentils. I'm going to buy one piece of chicken. Right. No, I think, look, you could definitely try to do vegan or vegetarian in a healthy way, but like you're saying from an economical standpoint oh, and just yeah. what's easier, yeah. it's easier if you eat meat. Yep. Um, yeah. Th- I mean, those are, th- those are great points. I mean, and definitely I can see where you, you know, you're saving money with the, the frozen food, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I do like fresh. Yeah. Fresh oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I like fresh salmon. I, I hate frozen salmon, but it's cheap and it gets the job done. So yeah, you know. yeah. So people who are on a budget, I mean, th- these are things to consider. It's like you got to really make smart choices. And and yeah. like you said, like staying out of those processed aisles. Look, you can end up spending like twenty, thirty bucks on like snacks oh, that dude. nutrition wise are doing nothing for you. Yeah. Um, but what I what I wanted to bring up too is like so yeah, spend kind of the week with you. It. I don't think I can get away with it. You seem to need a lot of carbs. And yes, we yeah. talked a little bit about the ketogenic diet, which mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know, it's a diet where you're supposed to be eating like 50 grams of carbs or less yeah. a day. Yeah. And most of your nutrition is supposed to come from like fats and then protein and predominantly fats. Like I think it's supposed to be like what, like traditional ketogenic diet is supposed to be something like 80, 90% fat and then the rest protein. Yeah. Well, you have to, you, you literally have to go under a threshold of carbs per day. To, yeah. to, to basically starve your body from glucose. Right, and go into a state of ketosis where your body is using mm-hmm. ketones and, and using the fat as energy as opposed to uh, glu- uh, glucose. Um, 
what like why don't you explain your thoughts on it like ketogenic diet versus the way right. you eat and what what do you think an athlete should be uh, kind of going for? Because the thing to keep in mind too, whether you're talking about ketogenic diet or any diet, is you have to think about what the purpose is for you. And as a pole vaulter, we're explosive athletes. You yep. know, it's not we're not endurance athletes. We, we're not trying to increase our VO two max. That's not the most important thing. We're trying to we're trying to kind of max out our efforts all the time. So, right. what, what are your thoughts on that? So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to be said about ketogenic diets. As far as, you know, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of bad. I think buildup of ammonia in your muscles is never a good thing because that's, that's literally what happens when you're in ketosis. Okay. You break down your muscle. You, you can't excrete the ammonia efficiently uh, because okay. you're literally, you're working off of fats and proteins, mainly proteins, and you're building up ammonia in your muscles. That's not really, not really good, right? Okay. But then there are some benefits. So like ultramarathoners, every ultramarathoner you, you talk to, runs like a hundred mile race, stuff like that. Right, right, right. They go off ketosis because just real simple nutrition lesson. You've got carbs, proteins, and fats, right? Carbs and proteins are four calories per molecule, right? Or right, whatever, right. like one carb is four calories. Fats are nine, okay? Right. And so, so if you're- more energy. Right, it's exactly. So there's, um, I forget the exact number, but- when you go, when you take one gram of car or one, I'm sorry, one count of carb, and you take it through glycolysis, which is the the breakdown of glucose, all that kind of stuff, you get 32 ATPs, right? Aden okay. Adenosine triphosphate, which is the energy molecule. Right. When you take a fat through the Krebs cycle, where it can keep on recycling itself, the Krebs cycle you'll see is like a little circle. Mm -hmm. It can get 142 out of one fat. Right? Wow, okay. isn't that crazy? So if you're an ultra marathoner. And you're going to be eating something. So let's say you eat an avocado, and you've you've taught your body how to efficiently go right into the Krebs cycle. Then you're gonna you're gonna have so much more energy. You talk about marathoners hitting the wall. That's because they run out of glycogen in their right. muscles. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you can teach your body to not even rely on glycogen like these ultra marathoners do, who are in ketosis all the time. Yeah. They don't hit any walls. There's right because no I've heard it. something with the marathon. What is it like after like the twenty mile mark? That's yeah. it. Like yep. glucose yep. is gonna run out. Yeah. So like, let's say you're running a four hundred, and and I, I I learned this a while back. So excuse me if I don't know the exact names. But you you start off using creatine phosphate in your muscles. Okay. Okay. After about twenty meters, all the creatine phosphate is gone. Then you're relying on glycogen. Okay. Until about what is it? When do people start feeling it in the hundred or the four hundred? Probably the three hundred mark. mark. Yeah, three hundred mark. Most of your glycogen is gone. You've built up lactic acid in your muscle, right? And then you can't really go into Krebs cycle because it's too fast. It's too anaerobic. You're not getting enough oxygen to burn right, these right, fats right. in the yeah, Krebs yeah, cycle. Yeah. So you're just like holding on for dear life, and then you're done and you collapse. Okay, so as a four hundred runner, I'm not a four hundred runner, but if I was one. I would be trying to cram my legs full of glycogen as much as I could. I wouldn't be trying – if I was a 400 runner, I think uh, being in, in ketosis would be like the worst thing for me because right. you're never going to hit an aerobic state where you can actually use the Krebs cycle. Right. So okay. why, would, why would eating you know, fats and proteins benefit you? So we talk about pole vault then. Right. We're not 400 runners. We're not dying at the well, end of and, every and run. And just real quick to go back to the 400 – um, as an example, just anybody who's run the 400 or you're watching the 400, I mean, look, any coach out there 
who doesn't think you die in the 400. <laughs> yeah. I don't care no, what kind die. of training you, you do. Die. Like, just look at, you know, the guy who just set the world record, and I, I'm going to say Wade his Van name. Eker. Yeah, there you go. Got it. Um, <laughs> I think his first 100 was about 10 point. Gosh, then yeah. his second 100 was like 9, nine point. Yep. Then he ran, I think, 11 point, and then he his last 100 was like 13 seconds. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was really a big drop off. And so it's like, that's the world record, my friends. Yeah. So nobody's running like equal splits. No. Like, no, 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 no. you know what I mean? That doesn't happen. So like what you're describing as far as hitting that wall yeah. and stuff like that, that is what identify happens. it. Right. When you're running out of creatine phosphate, when you're running out of glycogen, you don't run out of glycogen. You can't deplete all the glycogen in your body. Right, like right, you right. do when you hit a wall. You see the marathoners hit a wall and they can't stand up. Like they're like, right. sh- like shaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And convulsing. Cause well, they, they I, I was listening to another podcast where the guy talked about hitting that wall in the marathon. It's like literally your brain will just shut you down. Cause it's in fear yeah. of like you so you're, hitting. So your, your brain, the only fuel your brain uses is glycogen. Okay. So, uh, glucose, I'm sorry, not glycogen. Glycogen is glucose stored into like a, a long chain. Okay? okay. So, so when you say like you just, you've, you've used all your glycogen in your muscle, you've used all the glucose molecules, glucose molecules come from carbs. Okay. Okay. So just yeah, yeah, yeah. a little background. So in ketosis, essentially what you're doing is you're taking proteins and your body is can trying to convert those amino acids and the proteins to glucose. It's a hard process and yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. really hard for me to try to memorize it. I didn't memorize the process, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I failed that class, had to retake it. <laughs> uh, I got a D minus in it. It was so bad. But um but yeah, so so in, in in ketosis you're essentially starving your brain too. I'm not I'm not trying to talk shit about ketosis. I think there are wonders for it and it yeah. and it finds its way in sports. But as far as an anaerobic activity like pole vaulting, like why would you need to run off fats and proteins, man? I, well, the the other thing too, and I spoke to you about this because I was just listening to a recent uh, podcast, and the way they explain it is like it takes like three to six months for you to oh, make that conversion. Forever. So yeah. if, if you, you're trying to have a good year, I right. can't imagine you you, if you being eat, able to do and, that exactly. And if you eat more, and you said fifty, I've heard I've heard like twenty, twenty. I've heard twenty five exactly. Yeah. So you have to eat under twenty grams of carbs a day. Just to put that in perspective, that's like a piece of pita bread. Right. Like, like right. maybe maybe two. Like that's crazy. Right. And, right. And and I always try to explain this to my friends, but every piece of food you eat is made out of three things, carbs, fats, or proteins. So you, literally whatever food you have in your hand right now, look at it. If it's an apple, does it have any protein in it? No. Does it have any fats? No. It's no. just carbs. That's all, right. that's all an apple is. It's right. not a lot, but right. it's just carbs. So think about that in a ketosis sense. Like think about everything that you eat. If it has any carbs in it, Sorry, can't eat it. Yeah, no right. more apples, kids. <laughs> yeah, no more apples. Uh, the doctor's gonna be all over you. So, yeah. So, okay. So now, what what would you recommend? Like, what do you what do you think is so, is is a good diet for okay. a bolter? So, okay, we let's talk about training for a second. So, when you train, whether you're running, you're pole vaulting, you're lifting weights, whatever, when you go to recover, you know that magical thirty minute window everybody talks about. Right, right, right. As a track athlete, as an aerobic athlete, my first goal is not to repair the muscles that I broke. It's to replenish the glycogen that I, you know, used, whatever. Right, right, right. Okay, because think about it this way. When you deplete your muscle of glycogen and then you stuff it back full, you're going to hold more every time. Okay. That's what training does. Not okay. only not only does training rip your muscles and you repair them and then your muscles get stronger, bigger, whatever. It's all about glycogen in your muscles too. So when I talk about like post, 
uh, workout shakes. Like I work with the sports nutritionist mm-hmm. a year round and that's all I'm doing is, is doing post-workout stuff with her. Um, we shoot for a, a 60, 40, uh, carbs to protein shake or, so 60, or whatever. It doesn't have to be shake. Carbs, carbs 40%, 40% protein. protein. Okay. Yeah. So like for instance, let's, let's take one that I made yesterday from some soccer girls. Okay. It was milk or no, sorry. It was juice, uh, a bunch of fruit, bunch of frozen fruit, some ice, and then two or three scoops of protein powder. But this was also a giant blender, right? right so it right, served right. like, you know, 20 people or whatever. Okay. But then they got a little Powerade cup that's like, you know, maybe an eight-ounce cup of, of, of shake. And that shake was – the amount of calories in that shake, let's just say, were – just to make it easy, 100 calories, 60 of the calories were for carbs, uh, 40 were from protein. And it's – and because for me as an anaerobic athlete, I want to replenish those carbs as soon as I can, right? I As far as track – I'm not really ripping muscles left and right, you know, or, or micro tearing muscles like a bodybuilder would. Right, right, right. So a bodybuilder, when they go in, they're curling, they're, you know, doing whatever they're doing. They're just toast at the end yeah, of the workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fried. And they've got to, they've got to repair all those muscles. They got to have, I forget what it is that goes in and kind of helps work for your like, um, like myosin receptors and stuff like that on muscles. Mm-hmm. But, um, they are just shoving protein down their face. But right. for me, I need to be more explosive. I'm not trying to – we talked about hypertrophy today. I'm right, not trying right, to build right. these big old muscles. So I'm going to replenish the carbs and then I'm going to worry about fixing the, the muscles with the protein. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean because look and I could even on a personal level relate because there's times where – look, I'm not built like Trey. I'm kind of short and stout. And so it's like – Stout. Uh, yeah. Stout. Yeah, yeah. So I try to stay away from carbs as much as possible because I'm trying to like stay lean. But when I get too far away from carbs, I get into like that like keto flu that people talk yeah. about. Like I get bogged down and then oh my god, my training numbers are they get going to the tank. Like they're so, horrible. Yeah. You know, and that's because I'm diminishing my, my, my glycogen stores, do, right? Do you know why they give you peppermints before the uh, SAT? Do you remember them ever doing that? Wow, they do no. they would do okay. that with us. They would give mm-hmm. us grapes and peppermints before we would take the SAT. I was like, why are they doing this? It's like does peppermints make you smarter or something? Yeah. No, it's it's very simple sugar. So simple sugar, essentially from a peppermint, there's no fiber in the peppermint. So it's, it's like literally putting sugar on your tongue. Right, right. And that sugar is glucose that you're going to digest, boom, send it right up to your brain. And you have more glucose for your brain while you take this test. So you should right? be m- more alert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so like but putting yourself in a state of ketosis, you, I said this before, you're starving your brain. So that's why you feel bad. That's why you feel like you're yeah, having flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're starving the most important organ in your body. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 really really interesting, you know. And so it's like again, I see the merits of the ketogenic diet, and I don't even know, like uh, on a personal level, I could see myself at some point maybe converting to it. Yeah. But I think for a pole vaulter, especially in your career, like I I don't I don't see how you could do that successfully when you have a three yeah. to six month gap before you're completely converted. And I don't know what would happen to your actual training numbers. Yeah. You know? So as a pole vaulter, I said we run off carbs. We build our muscles with protein and we stave ourselves off with fat, right? Yeah, yeah. So like uh, I have like I, – I don't follow a diet. Like a lot of people ask me like what's your diet like? And I'm like, well, I don't really follow a diet but I have sort of guidelines that guide my diet. So like right. the main one – oh, I have five. So I, I kind of made this up last night. I like numbered them. I kind of yeah. just have things that I do but I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should make it into a system, right? Yeah. So first one is I avoid all 
as least that I can, added sugars. Okay. Right. That would be like uh, tomato sauce, for instance, has a ton of added sugar. Yeah. Which you don't even think about. It's got so much sugar. Right. Because a lot, a lot of the jarred uh, tomato sauce, to make it more flavorful, yeah. and they get like terrible tomatoes that are super <laughs> yeah. bitter, so they add sugar. Exactly. I, I found actually like those little cans of like organic. Uh-huh. Like, like tomato paste. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. That has yeah. no added sugar in it. And that's actually much, much better for that's you. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, number one, no added sugars. Number two... And this this may be controversial, but I eat as much fiber as I can. I'm like I I was texting my girlfriend today. I took three full sized poops today. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like TMI, whatever. But yeah, yeah. Fiber as when, and when it's related to sugar, when you eat something with fiber in it, you are slowing down that sugar absorption. So let's say you drink a Coke. Okay, you drink 32 grams of sugar. That's how much is in a 60 or whatever yeah, bottles yeah, yeah. of Coke are. That's just that, crazy. Okay, man. that sugar is going to spike your blood sugar, right? You don't have enough insulin to fight it, so it sends it to your – everything goes through your liver. Your yeah. liver is like, whoa, I can't handle all this sugar right now. So it just takes that sugar, boom, converts it right to fat and, and stores it, right? Yeah. Now, when you eat something with fiber, it's going to spike your insulin uh, – sorry, your blood sugar slowly so your insulin has time to combat it and like yeah, yeah, keep yeah. everything under Manage control. It. Right, so you don't convert any of that extra sugar to fat. So like for instance, I stick with those two rules right there, sugar and fiber. I don't drink any juice. Absolutely yeah. no juice. Yeah. I I say I mean if you're running out of time and you're running out, okay, yeah, drink some orange juice, whatever. But if you're just sitting around, eat a freaking orange, right? You're well, getting the fiber. Okay, and here's the other thing. One glass of orange juice is 120 calories, 32 grams of sugar. Same exact thing as as, the Coke. as the Coke. And exactly. the thing that I think that people don't understand about juice is like it wasn't one orange that made that no, glass of juice. Exactly. That was several oranges. Right. So like are, there were no way you were right. going to eat that many right. oranges. Are you going to sit there at breakfast and eat seven oranges? <laughs> you, no. You drink two glasses of juice, you're eating seven oranges. Yeah, that's yeah, or insane. Or more, probably more yeah, than yeah. that. Um, but yeah, so that's that's two. Number three, another one is a little controversial. Eat more vegetables than you do meat. That, yeah. And that's just my own personal thing. You know, you can play around with that, but uh, that's just kind of the way I was raised. And I don't know. It's you know, cheaper for me to do that. So I kind of do that anyways. So. Well, and, and I, and I think especially for people who struggle, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm one of those guys again, like I, I carry weight very easily. Like if you ask me like Bronco, uh, you weigh 175 pounds right now. Uh, in a couple weeks, I need you at 200 pounds. I could easily do that. I'm not saying it's going to be lean, but yeah. I can easily put on that weight, you know? So eating the vegetables first and oh, making yeah. sure you do that before you hit the other stuff that's probably going to help keep you lean because you right, fill up your right. belly. You know what I mean? Yeah, that goes back to fiber. If you're eating more veg, so meat, sorry to say, meat has no fiber in it, right? Yeah, yeah, vegetables yeah. are the only thing that gives you fiber. So if you're eating, if you eat 300 calories of meat, that's not going to fill your stomach up at all. Yeah. That's going to be like maybe a quarter of a steak, right? But if you eat 300 calories of vegetables, that's like you're pushing, like you're pushing the, the limits of your stomach. Okay? Right, right, right. So right. yeah, if you're trying to lose weight, right, eating vegetables, um, uh, the other thing I, I would add as, as far as fats are concerned, if you, let's say like you do feel hungry and you have like just a spoonful of peanut butter or something like that, yeah. it has fat in it. You'll yeah. feel full. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you can, you know, get rid of that kind of hunger feeling if you have a little bit of fat like that. Yeah. So, um, so like for instance, I go back to a, a meal that I eat all the time for breakfast. Like I think I had it this morning for breakfast too. Piece of toast, coconut oil on the toast. Mm-hmm. Toasted in the oven because you can't really toast it in the toaster because it's sideways, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, toast it in the oven, slather some peanut butter on it, and then maybe a little bit of honey. So let's look at that. So carbs, mm-hmm. proteins, and fats. Carbs from the bread, fat, uh, carbs and protein from the bread, because bread does give you protein, yeah. right? Uh, fats from the coconut oil, peanut butter, lots of protein, some fat, and then the honey, some more carbs. Okay, so I'm hitting all three things, especially in the morning, eating breakfast. It's really important that you eat fat. And protein at breakfast yeah, yeah, because yeah. if you don't, if you just eat carbs, if you eat a pop tart for breakfast, you're going to be hungry in like an hour. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so that's why you really, if if anything, I won't eat carbs at breakfast. I'll eat only protein and fat at breakfast because if I just eat carbs as soon as I wake up, I'm gonna get right out of that state of mini ketosis that I'm in. That's yeah, burning yeah, yeah. all this real good fat, mm-hmm. and then my blood sugar spiked, and oh crap, I'm I'm just converting fat right now. Right. I'm converting sugar to fat. Right. 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 Yeah, no, the, I, I mean, these are huge tips. I think anybody listening, I mean, look, if you're not thinking about your nutrition as a pole vaulter, you're just not serious. Oh enough. Like gosh, the, yeah. the, this stuff is so, so important, you know, and just from a lifestyle perspective, I mean, I can't tell you, I, I know I was telling you earlier in the week when I, I first started Apex Vaulting and I went full time with it, I kind of wasn't taking care of myself because yeah. I was so focused on the business and making sure the club was thriving and I could provide this great atmosphere for people that I didn't take care of myself. I actually got to 190 pounds like very fast. And I felt terrible. And the thing is, if like you can be on top of your diet just for your lifestyle, you're going to feel so much better. Like I feel great all the time. Like at 36, I feel younger now than I did probably at 30, you know? Yeah. Um, But as a pole vaulter, it's like if you want to have good energy, you want to be able to bring it every workout – you have to be on top of your nutrition because right. whether it's carbs, protein, or fats, but you're not hitting the right divisions, like you're gonna feel it. You're mm-hmm. you're you're gonna have bad workout. Like even today, we were out with your uh, with a couple kids jumping, yeah. and there was the one kid that was super tired, and I didn't bring up nutrition with him because yeah. I mean he definitely seemed like oh dude, Matt, like school. Matt eats like crap, man. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like school just started, yeah. so he's probably yeah, staying yeah, up late yeah. and having to wake up early. So definitely sleep was probably number one reason why he was a little bit. Uh, having a poor practice today, right? But you could also tell it's like his nutrition needs to be better. If he eats better, he's gonna have better practice. That's that's the thing is when I was in high school, something that I noticed in in at being older. Now I'm not old at all, but being yeah, yeah. older now, I look at kids and I'm and when I was a kid, kids just thought I can eat anything. I can right. eat pizza at lunch and then I can go do that 400 workout. I yeah. can eat whatever cheesy mac whatever and be fine. That's what they thought. But I was that kid who ate really clean, and that's why, honestly, I dominated in high school because I would kill people in workouts because they would be, like, hunched over after the second set, and I'm just like, I'm getting started. Because yeah. it wasn't that I was athletically better than them, but literally the food in my stomach. But you, were, what, you were properly fueled. Think about this. You're – okay, so let's say you're a five foot eight male you know, guy, sophomore, 150 pounds, okay – you are literally building your body right now. Are you going to build it with crap? Or are you going to build it with like yeah. real things that build muscle? And that's honestly what I did in high school. And I think right now I'm really like not very injury prone is because honestly my muscles are just built out of the right things. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you were able to build, build yeah, yourself up. Yeah. So kind of just to, to – for anybody listening, what would you say is the macro split that you would, you would recommend for pole vaulters? Okay, so – Obviously, this is going to depend on, you know, how much you weigh, how tall you are, kind of, there's a lot of genetics that go into it. Yeah, like a lot of people, sure. okay, let's, let's take, you know, let's say you have a vaulter who is 
uh, a pre-diabetic, I can't say that eat a ton of carbs, kid. Right, right, right. Because that's, right. that's not going to be good. Yeah, but, yeah. okay, just talking about me, um, I, I don't really shoot for – I don't at all keep track of my calories because mm-hmm. that's just so much work, right? Right, right, right. Uh, and it kind of takes away the fun of eating. When you're yeah. like counting all these carbs, you're like, oh, yeah. I can't eat this, can't eat that. Right. You know what? I just eat and I try to I try my best to get around. But I would say essentially what I do is if I have a dinner plate, and okay, let's say I'm eating dinner, right? I'm going to fill up uh, half of that plate with vegetables and low-carb sort of things, right? Okay, maybe potatoes. Those are a little high-carb. Mm-hmm. Let's say like vegetable, broccoli, asparagus, potatoes, half of my plate like that, okay? Okay. Other half of my plate, uh, sorry, other half of my plate, I'll split that into fourths and I'll put meat in one fourth of it and then I'll put some other type of like complex carb fiber sort of thing. Uh, okay. Maybe I'll do like brown rice, maybe I'll do a sweet potato, right? That's going to be my main source of carbs is that sweet potato, that rice, that right. pasta, while that um, the, uh, uh, the, what I say, the vegetables on the other yeah. side, that's going to be my fiber, that's going to be my my good stuff, right? My yeah. greens and stuff. Um you know, I, I said I don't eat a lot of meat, but I do eat meat pretty much every, yeah, every yeah. like pretty much every meal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's a fourth. My other fourth is that big carb, and then my half is that vegetables. So, if okay. you're looking at it as as terms of a carb, protein, fat percentage, I would say sixty percent carbs, twenty percent protein, ten percent fat. Okay. And then I probably eat more fat than that, honestly, and probably maybe a little bit more less carbs than that, but. If I'm not eating 50% carbs, then I'm doing something. Yeah, yeah. That, and that, and that's just me. That's just. And just me. to go over his math, he said 60%, 20%, and, and 10. 10. So oh. you got 10% okay. left. 20 and 20. 20 and 20. So 10% for brownies. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> brownies are not carbs or protein or fat. They're yeah. just good. Separate. They're just yeah, good. they're separate. Um, all right. But yeah, we, we, we get the gist. So 60% and then yeah. maybe 20, 30% protein and then another 10%, 15% fat. Yeah. Right. So, somehow like that. And definitely like... Trey is saying you have to personalize it for yourself. You have to know your body. Like I personally, I'm 36. I know my body. Mm-hmm. I probably would go a little bit under 50% carbs yeah. because I know I'm. That's gonna help. I'm gonna pack on the weight. Yeah, everyone can't that. do that. Like we talked earlier about my BMR, which is your basal met- metabolic rate, and that's essentially uh, what your body uses in terms of energy. So in terms of calories. Uh, just to stay alive. So like if I just laid on a couch for an entire day, how much calories I would burn, I would burn 3,000 calories just sitting there. Yeah, well, so what what people don't realize, and it's funny, like when we hear numbers like, oh, drink eight glasses of water a day or people should be on a 2,000-calorie diet, a lot of these are very general, vague numbers. This is not for athletes. Right, exactly. Athletes are on a different level. So it's like, think about that. Trey literally can lay down and burn more calories than my brother who goes out for a workout on that random day, you know, yeah. it, it, and it's because one muscle requires more calorie, Absolutely. You, you know, to, it to just stay requires heat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's like size too. Like we were talking about one of my guys, uh, Andy Accardi, he jumps for Stevens, his PR is 14, nine right now, but he's a really, really long lanky kid. He's like mm-hmm. six, four, 200 pounds. He eats like 10 eggs every morning. Yeah. Some people wouldn't be able to do that, yeah. but he needs exactly. that, you know? Yeah. So like, you know, if you're, you know, high school guy, high school girl, don't be afraid to eat more than 2,000 calories. If you're counting calories, do not be afraid to eat more than 2,000 calories. Because yeah. one, you're growing. Okay, right. you're not. You are not going to get fat being a col- uh, Sorry, a high school athlete. I guarantee you, if you're working out, you're not going to get fat. Yeah. So don't be afraid to eat more than 2,000 calories. And you know, just 
just try to eat clean. So going back to my like five things. Well, and and the thing too, like what you're saying there, don't be afraid about the calories. Like I think what you should be more concerned with is that the calories you eat are nutritious. Yeah. We, like, dude, yeah. if you eat like a box of like cereal and some Fruit Loops and or yeah. or like the whatever some candy, yeah, then you're probably headed into trouble. You uh, know what I mean? Yep. But as long as it, you're eating nutrient dense food, I, th- I think right. you should be fine. Yeah. So like going into four and five of my whatever you want to call them, four would probably be um, eating clean, unprocessed foods. Okay, and then five, which I think is one of the most important, is eating consciously. Okay, so like when I wake up for breakfast, it's so easy for me. I think, okay, so eating consciously and purposefully. Okay, right. so like it's so easy for me to just be like, uh, pour some cereal, eat the cereal with the milk. All right, I'm good. No, I wake up and my first thought is, okay, what carbs am I going to eat? What proteins am I going to eat? And what fats am I going to eat? And so I'll change it up. I'll do like avocado toast. I really like bread, so I do yeah, toast yeah. in the morning. Off that. Mm-hmm. Avocado toast, I'll do an omelet. I'll do, you know, all sorts of stuff. But while I'm cooking it, I'm thinking, okay, let, I'm like scratching my chin. I'm like, okay, these are my proteins. These are my carbs. Cool. These are going to, uh, these proteins and fats are going to keep me uh, satiated, which yeah. means full, yeah. uh, just kind of for longer. These carbs are going to give me energy. So like mindlessly stuffing food in your face and not knowing Doesn't what it's work, doing. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not only good, but it's just setting you up really bad for for your athletic endeavors. So, you know, my idea is like, if you don't know why you're eating this food put in front of you right now, you probably shouldn't be eating it. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, too, it's like, by thinking about what you're eating, it, it doesn't have to be very hard. Like, I know some of you no. may be listening to Trey and being like, oh my God, now I got to think about what I'm picking. But you can literally have a menu. Like, I eat different things every day, but I have a menu that I kind of choose from. And even going out to eat, like, you know, we just went to a Greek restaurant. Like, it wasn't hard to choose a healthy option. You know, I got grilled chicken with some veggies on the side and a little bit of rice. Like, that's it. I hit those macros that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. I stayed pretty pretty lean and healthy, and it was nutrient-dense, you know? So it's like it doesn't have to be, like, such a project when you have a kind of menu in your head of things that you're going to eat. Yeah, and I think really those five things, like if you can just apply, like if you take a food. Okay, Go over those five things one okay, more time. So, so number so one. Low added sugar, right? Low added sugar. Fiber, which kind of plays Fiber's to that. Number Lots two. of fiber. Um, more vegetables than meat. Okay. Is number three. Uh, consciously thinking is number four or purposely eating. And yeah. then number five uh, would be. Um, I think uh, you made that number no, five. No, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. So it was. Um, uh, conscious thinking was number five. What did I say was number four? Gosh, now I forget. <laughs> it was. Um, wait, it was eating uh, eating unprocessed foods. That eating unprocessed yeah. foods. Okay, so those five things. If I take, okay, for instance, we went to the Greek restaurant tonight. I got these like cool wrap ups, but I also got a side of spicy pimento cheese with pita wraps. Okay, yeah, yeah, not the best option. So let's let's take that for example. Okay, does it fit low sugar? Yes. Does it fit low fiber? These were white pita bread with cheese, no fiber. Okay, so I'm just eating something that is no fiber, right? It's not spiking my blood sugar really that much, but it's no fiber. So Also keep in mind he didn't finish it. I just want you to know he did a couple bites. Like it wasn't like he just housed it. Right. But go ahead. Well, I have it for leftovers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Okay, so so, yeah, failed one. Okay, talking about more meats than vegetables. Sorry, more vegetables vegetables than meats. Cheese, I talked to... Uh, Bronco earlier about this is not an athlete's friend. 
Okay, it is it is what I say. You, you, we talked about energy dense yeah. and um, energy. Uh, uh, sorry, nutrient dense and energy dense food. A nutrient dense food, sweet potato. Energy dense food, a brownie. Right, because yeah. a brownie is not providing you nutrients; it's providing you energy. Right, definitely right, right. providing you energy, yeah. but not nutrients. Sweet potato, it's it's providing you nutrients, maybe not as much energy as in the form of calories. So this pimento cheese, right, or any cheese in general, is providing you a ton of calories, but what is it really giving you in terms of nu- nutrients? Okay, maybe maybe some protein. Okay, carbs, calcium. carbs, calcium. Carbs in the form of lactose, right? Because lactose is a sugar. Cheese has yeah. sugar in it, which is yeah. surprise, surprise, right? Um, yeah. And then, yeah, lots of saturated fat. But saturated fat's not really what we're shooting for. Saturated fat, uh, just def- quick definition, is anything that is hard at room temperature. So butter, right. uh, mm-hmm. coconut oil, saturated fat. Um, olive oil is not saturated fat because that's an oil. Okay, so okay. you want to shoot for oils, not really saturated fats. Uh, well, but, I mean, saturated fats help oh, yeah, with brain function. Definitely, right? they have their place. I don't say I don't, I'm not saying cut them all out. But um, going back to the cheese, cheese is not an athlete's friend. Okay, so as far as the clean, or, I'm sorry, the the meat and vegetables, it's not on the vegetable side, not quite on the healthy meat side. So it fails that one too. Going to the um, unprocessed was that the mm-hmm. fourth one? Yeah, uh, you know, cheese is. So processed. Yes. It does not come out of cows. Okay? Yeah. Milk comes out of there's, cows. There's not a cheese cow. Just right. like... Exactly. They don't poop out cheese. Right. <laughs> so fails that. Only thing it's passed so far is the sugar. Right. And then the last one is eating consciously. And while I was eating that pimento cheese, I even said, I was like, I probably shouldn't be eating this. Yeah, I was yeah. eating it anyways because I was just like, you know what? I'm hungry. Worked out like crazy today. I deserve it. I think everybody deserves breaks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, and, and the other thing too if if you're really training hard and you and this is where like you have to be honest with yourself as an athlete, right? Because we all know those athletes that are like, I train so hard. You're like, dude, I've seen you twice this week for practice. Yeah, you don't gosh. train so hard. But if you're really training that hard, like uh, when I was listening to one po- a podcast with Joe Rogan, he had Dom D'Agostino on who has got a PhD and does all this ketogenic stuff. And he was saying he knows of athletes who are ingesting as much as 250 grams of carbs in a day. And they're still remaining in a ketosis state. Yeah. So that just goes to show you that if you're an athlete really training hard. Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to burn it. Yeah, you're, you're going to burn it. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that. And like I said, he did not eat all this stuff, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Um, and I guess so now going from that nutrition talk, you know, now that I guess we're properly fueled, mm-hmm. what are maybe some topics of, of training? What, what would you tell kids about training? You know what I mean? Oh, like you, you're – You've reached some of the top levels. You've been to USA's. You've been to Olympic trials. You you've jumped with the best. Uh, you know. So, what what do you think is important training wise? Uh, I mean, we said this, uh, but Brad Walker said this best. At a certain point, pole vaulting more isn't going to help you. You got to get stronger, right? I I oh see. So I'm trying to think back in high school. I think I was five ten my sophomore year, and then. Uh, probably 155 pounds. I don't know. That's a that's a guess. Yeah, yeah. Five, ten, hundred fifty pounds. So I wasn't big. I wasn't skinny. So I was kind of like just not much muscle. I was yeah, just yeah. there, right? Mm-hmm. I jumped twelve six the end of my sophomore year. My junior year, I, I shot up because I had a growth spurt. So I was cl- uh, closer to six feet, and then I was about 165 pounds. But it was muscle because I really, really started working out. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I you know, it wasn't like I was doing hang cleans and snatches and stuff like that, but I just started doing push-ups in my house. Like I started 
running and sprinting and pull-ups and gymnastics. That's when I got a job at gymnastics gym. Okay. started teaching gymnastics. So then I was like doing backflips and like rings and stuff like that. So just from doing that, I went from 12-6 the end of my sophomore year to winning state, best performance, 15-6 the end of my junior okay. year. So awesome. three feet, not because – I mean, my, yeah, my form got a lot better, but I jumped as much as I did every other year, but I just worked out like crazy, man. Right. Well, and something that I want to add, and we, we kind of spoke about this earlier today, was like you know, with guys going through high school – and you're going through puberty, Girls physical too, maturity. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times as coaches, we start patting ourselves on the back. Like, <laughs> yeah. dude, do you see I got Tommy who jumped nine last year. He jumped 14. You know, right, it's like, right. yeah, Tommy also grew six inches exactly. this year. Like, exactly. I, I don't think your training made that happen. But, yeah, so, but still, you put in the work as well. Like, yeah. you, you didn't get, like, chubby or something. Yeah, you know? so, I mean, like, you know, just talking to high school athletes here. Start working out, all right? Yeah. Jumping is awesome. Jump as much as you can. You're a high school athlete. You could freaking jump every day if you want. Right. Probably. And, and I'm not saying you should, but yeah, you probably could. Yeah, you, and you need to learn the event. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Dude, it's, 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 it's like golf in the way that it's so skillful, and it's like freaking distance running in the fact that it's so, like, strength. You know, you, you have to put in physical work to do it, right? Like, I could go, and I could practice putting and golf, for hours, right? right? I could probably watch videos of me pole vaulting and work on little tiny drills for hours and not really get tired. But then it takes the lifting the weights, the sprinting, the kind of stuff that's like the grit. Yeah. So it's like a combination of grit and skill. And that's what the pole vaulting is just so much fun. For man. sure, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think that combo, you know, you can see it because there's some people I've seen who have like beautiful jumps. But then they haven't put the physical work in yep. to be able to handle the grips, the poles yeah, yeah. that are going to get them the big, big heights. Um, and something that we talked about today, like, you know, look, power to weight ratio is so, so important to, to a, lot, a lot of pole vaulters. You know, you can't, like you said, you can't be like a bodybuilder. No. You can't just try to pack nope. on as much muscle as possible. And you have to stay away from sometimes a lot of hypertrophy work. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I hate it because, I, yeah, I want to be big and I want to be impressive. But yeah. I'm a pole vaulter. And I kind of accepted like this is a pole vaulter body. This is what I this is what I like. This is what I acquire to have. So I work for that. I don't work to be this guy with yeah. huge biceps and you know those yeah, mega yeah. calves you see on the Instagram videos. Like I right. don't. Although I have the smallest calves of all time, <laughs> I wish I had bigger calves, but that would not serve my purpose. So I'm not going to do it. Right, right. And and the thing is, like, look again. If you're dealing with somebody younger, like in high school, a little bit of hypertrophy work is not oh, going to kill yeah, them that's because you're trying to develop them. Yeah. But as you get older, it's like if it's not going to serve the purpose, you know, and that purpose is getting your power to weight ratio better, getting you faster down the runway, getting you to be more efficient on the pole. Yeah. You know, it's like so you, you've got to think about that stuff. You're trying to build maximal effort. Yeah. Um, and, you know, today, again, I, I, I got that opportunity to meet with your strength coach. Um, coach, coach rolling, coach rolling. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, he kind of like told me a little bit about the program, but maybe you want to explain a little bit about what you do in, yeah. in, in the weight room at, at Sanford. All right. So yeah, coach rolling, uh, first of all, is an awesome coach. Uh, you know, he kind of came from like a football background, which if you're in high school and you have a weight training coach, they're probably coming from a football background, yes. <laughs> which is, which is what I did in high school, right? It's go do bench, go do squat, go do power cleans, right? Those are good exercises, but if that's all you're doing as a pole vaulter, those three exercises, like you're not hitting everything you need to hit. You need to be doing back. You need to be doing pull-ups. You need to be doing single leg variations. You need to be working on your proprioception, which is your balance, mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff like that. So 
I sat down with Rolling maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, and I said, hey, Coach Rolling, listen, you've got a great weight program here for people who are trying to do track in college, like, but track is my life. Like, I'm not just here to do track in college. I'm here to take it somewhere else. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I want to make this not just specialized for me, but specialized for pole vaulters in general. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. to help the pole vaulters on my team, right? Right, right, right. So I was like, you know what? Like, uh, Chris, for instance, is bad at this. Like, let's try to let's try to work at something. So, you know, off off the top of my head, right? Um, Chris has, or Chris, I say Chris. Some of the vaulters on our team had weak shoulders, right? Okay. Or weaker shoulders, and so it's not that you were saying you can't handle the grip, can't handle pull, that kind of thing. I'm like. Coach Rowling, we need to work on our shoulder strength. We need to work on our rear delt yeah, strength. Yeah, yeah. So like the closing of the gap, right? They call it the rowing. Essentially, yeah, yeah. like if you're doing like a uh, uh, like a barbell rollouts, I right. did those today. That was my yeah, abs yeah, yeah. and that was for my arms. So like stuff that's very, very pole vault specific and pole vault movement induced. Um, a lot of cable rows that involve like, like I have one where I, I basically sit on the ground Right, and I, I'm sitting sitting up, my feet out in front of me. I have a pole that's attached mm-hmm. to a cable, and then I straight I lay back on the ground, and then I turn, and then I push the pole away. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But the whole time I'm pulling the weight farther and farther, so it's this like resisted rock back inversion. All right, so we got two videos that Trey's got to post: his cooking videos, <laughs> and now some workout stuff. I'll, I'll post a lot yeah, of workout yeah. stuff. This the thing that sucks though is I never have anyone to record it with me because I'm always working out at different times. So I have to like prop my phone up on the wall yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just makes for an awful shot. And I'm just like, I don't want to use this. But yeah, I'll, I'll try to post some stuff. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing that I talked to Rolling about was I was like, hey, listen, like I, I was never really good at squats, but I was like, Coach Rolling, I have no desire. Even though I have these tiny little legs, like they're strong. My legs are strong and I have no desire to bulk up my legs. I have no desire to bulk up my chest. I have no desire to get massive guns. Yeah, I yeah. just want to be strong and I want to be able to throw things far. I want to be able to move things fast. Like that's what I want to do. And he said, okay. And so we kind of just sat down and we wrote something like that. Well, and, and it, it was so cool today to get to talk to him because I think unlike a lot of people and kind of like something that we mentioned in the last podcast, I think people can get so dogmatic in their methodologies and technique and training that it's like anything contrary to what they believe. It's like, I don't want to talk to you. Get away from me. But like, even today it's like, this is the first time coach rolling has met me and he doesn't know anything about me. Like I I could just be some bum off the street. And he was so open. We had great conversation and he, he said that a lot too. It's like, look, like I have to see what works for the athlete. You know, I have to develop a program for my athletes that are going to help them doing whatever they need to do like what's the purpose you know and that that was great to hear and one of the things that me and him talked about and then me and you talked about too is like look even if you're watching your vault yes that you could have a technical issue in your vault or you can have a physical limitation yeah right so if you have that physical limitation like you were talking about like with shoulders with some of your teammates yeah well then we need to do some shoulder exercises to strengthen up those shoulders so they can get the job done on on the pit you know what i mean so i think that that's the way you have to you have to do it you have to start to look at things more specifically because even what you said it's like sure like bench squat power cleans that's all well and good but as you develop throughout your career you're gonna have to add in all these other wrinkles and auxiliary exercises that will help get you not only better at those lifts or exercises but better in the pole vault you know here's the way i think about pole vaulting strength this is kind of like a far out idea but yeah 
if I was floating in space, right, I was floating in the I, ISS or whatever, International Space Station. Sure, sure. And I was anti-grav, I should be able to move my body in every single direction very violently and with a lot of power. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I think about that, like imagine you're just like floating in a pool, for instance. You should if you're a polar man, you you better be able to thrash every yeah, part like of your body. Rip, rip yourself you through yeah. the jump. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. So like, you know, a sprinter, maybe they don't have quite the arms we do, but a pole vaulter, dude, our whole body has to be able to mm-hmm. to move fast and, and in control. And that's really the big thing um, that I've really noticed is how I'm I'm so much more in control of my body now than I was mm-hmm. as a sophomore high school or junior in high school, like I can, I've, I've learned to flex individual muscles in certain exercises, like literally single out muscles. So well, the that, stuff that coach rolling has been doing is well, been that, teaching me that. It's funny that you say that too. It's like, I remember one time driving to a meet with Calvin Hartman and we were listening to an old, like Arnold video, Arnold mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger. And he was talking about this idea of like, look, like if you're benching, you need to be thinking about the muscles that are firing. Absolutely, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, okay, like, just ma- moving a ma- bar maybe down. bench is not like the best example for pole vaulters specifically. But like right. even when you were doing the ab rollouts today or you were on the glute ham, but you were doing the opposite way today. Yeah, a reverse uh, hyper extension. A reverse hyper extension. And it's like, so it's like you should be thinking about the muscle groups that are firing. Yeah. Like you I was said, my low back, really, my yeah. butt cheeks. Like, right. To really like get that exercise down pat and really build those muscles and build the movement. You, you know? Oh, so what Coach Rowling talks a lot about is the neuro connection. Yes. Right. So, so Coach Rowling, he puts us on a weekly schedule. And what we did last year, I think, worked really well. I think we're changing up a little bit this year. But for instance, those reverse hypers that I did. Today's Wednesday. This is the second day I've been doing weights this season because I'm like super, super sore. <laughs> but I will do those reverse hypers without weight maybe for two or three more weeks until mm-hmm. I have mastered that move and I can I can feel every single muscle. So Coach Rowling's not going to give me an exercise one day and then be like, we're never going to do that again. Like no. we're going to build that exercise right. until you've mastered it. Okay, now we can move to a little bit more advanced version of that. Yeah, or try to the, load it. Or right, something. would be like I put a weight in between my legs and then I move it. Yeah, but I can't yeah. do that right now because I won't be able to flex individual muscles. I won't be able to feel the neuro. I could do it, right? I could yeah. physically do it, but I'm not going to get nearly as much out of it if, as if I don't build that base. Well, it, it's interesting because we talked about that like how at my club, like when I start to introduce exercises to athletes, whether it's the deadlift, whatever – you know, I have it very, very light and I'm teaching proper movement and they do that for anywhere from two weeks to a full month. And then we start to load the exercise. And that's why six months down the road, we see huge uh, return on that investment of building up the exercise properly. And I I guess this is a nice uh, transition to like technique, but that's kind of how I feel about building the vault too. You've got to give a basic enough drill, an easy enough drill. Like we were talking about like jumping for distance, you know, Mm -hmm. this week. And it's like by jumping for distance, it's horizontal instead of vertical. It's not as uh, muscularly uh, demanding. It's not as difficult. You don't have to be as strong. And you could build that technical base. And now you bring the kids back and they can do a full vault. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, just today when we were working at club, the biggest, I mean, we both share this idea Go for depth. Always go for depth. Mm-hmm. Never ever should, uh, never ever should a coach tell you you need to be more shallow. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I I I practice. All my kids practice. All my vault club kids practice with standards all the way back. Yeah, thirty two, maybe right. thirty four. Right, because 
to me, the idea that I'm going to practice with standards farther back gives me the confidence of, okay, I'm in this meet. I can go to this next pole and my standards are only going to be like 28 and I'm, I'm not going to kill myself. Right, you know? right, right. And that always yeah. gives you that option. Like, let's say, let's say you were at USA's and this is for the world team or Olympic team. It's like your standards have been at 30 the whole meet. Yeah, you can go off the pole, bring them in 24, and that's still like plenty safe. Like, the wall, yeah, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, but if if you're that kid that's starting the meet with the standards all the way yeah. up at 18, it's like I, where where do you have to go? I I started working with my kids like this past year, and they were always like, "Yeah, my standards are always at 18." I'm like, "Well, that's about to change." So I had them holding low. I had them going. They they were so mad at me because they were jumping lower. Right, right, right. But right. I was like, "Listen, I'm not going to have you jumping with standards at 18 because what happens when?" shit goes wrong like right. what happens when you can't what happens when your runs off what happens when you're like tired like yeah. you can't make adjustments when everything's up there anyways this is all going to me and you agree that you always need to jump deep yeah. that's what we were working what, on today which was that base kind yeah, of yeah so what did, what did you think like you had a couple girls that were jumping today what did you think about like that transition from doing those long jumps and then going back to a three and doing a full? You said something about one of the girls that you'd never even seen her. Oh that man, kind of yeah, position. it was crazy. Uh, so like, I mean, both my girls are like one's in ninth grade, one's in eighth grade. Uh, but just seeing like, I guess when you give them something to shoot for, I really like that Gabby's line that you had, like a little physical line. I just, I always say go deeper. Right, and I right, think, right. I think any cue you're giving as a coach. If, if it does, not all of them, but generally speaking, if it doesn't have an obtainable goal, it's going to be a little harder to do, right? Right, yeah. Like, j- just to explain for people who are listening, so that okay, Gabby's yeah. line, it's it's a seam that if you have a UCS pit, you probably have it. It's kind of like three quarters of the way into the pit, yeah. and it's 11 feet, two inches behind the back of the box. Or the, the back of the coach's box, essentially, yeah. Right, right, right. And so it's like, uh, so you can measure it out, just put a tape measure at the back of the box, and then measured out 11 feet, two inches deep into the pit. And that's where that line is. And so I had this little girl, Gabby. She was four foot 11 in high school and she jumped 10. And she was able to, from a one, meaning like two total steps, right, left, jump into the pit, swing, turn, and get her toes to touch that line. Yeah. And now in college, I mean, she can land much deeper. And she jumped 11, four and three quarters at SUNY Brockport. A- Andy uh, Fessner is doing a great job with her up there. Um but yeah, so I like say like that's a goal, right? If you want to jump right. ten, you got to get to- your toes that line. And then I, I always tell kids like, look, traditionally in my club, if your knees get there, you jump twelve. Hips thirteen, mm-hmm. chest fifteen. You know, uh, you'd probably get like your whole body past it. You know, but but anyway, so I'm the girls were doing girls, that. Yeah. yeah, the girls were doing that, and we, we you know we talk about. I think you have to have an obtainable goal if you're going to give a cue of any kind, not any kind, but most kind. So like. For instance, another cue we had today, me and you were trying to get them to plant earlier. Like Matt, for right. instance, was planting so late. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you said, okay, don't think about it as a timing thing, like as in like linear time. Think about it as in a depth perception thing from the pit. And that, that kind of, okay, it was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I go, all right. I, I didn't do this today, but I typically do this. I'm like, all right, I'm going to stand here right next to the runway. And this is like uh, like 16 feet or something like that. Start planting when you pass me. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Don't don't wait till after me. Get your arms up at yeah, me. Yeah, and yeah. so then they're like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Instead of like, I think a lot of coaches, it's like, get your hands up earlier. Uh, push the pole forward. Well, it's yeah, like, sometimes it's hard vague. to measure. Yeah, it's hard it's, to measure. It's vague, you know? Yeah, so like I could say if Matt did a plant and it was a foot past me and it was late, I could say, Matt, you were a foot past me. Right. Instead it's of something Matt, more you were tangible. Late. Right, exactly. Yeah. So 
I think I think stuff like that. I think you were doing a good job of that. That's kind of the way I coach too. I think just giving tangible goals like that is just awesome for for young vaulters. Any any vaulters, dude. Yeah. Me, I would love tangible goals, but yeah. I'm at I'm at a point now where we're fixing stuff that's that's so like strange Fine. and weird that it's yeah. it's hard. You, you, the only thing I can do is look at a video and go. I guess that's kind of better, you know? Yeah, well, like that it, kind of stuff. It's so amazing, you know. I think the higher the level gets, the more fine the details are. And sometimes it's tougher to kind of measure. So, you know, I think, uh, and I've always said this, but now that you say that, it kind of makes more sense. My high school coach, awesome, awesome coach. I mean, he set me up for what I've done now, but he, the way he coached, honestly, was like through feeling. Right. right, right, So right, right. he would literally grab my arms and be like, do this, right? Right, or, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push through, feel this, feel this pressure that I'm putting, like feel, feel, feel. And so as a high schooler, I was like, yeah, okay, this is weird. But now as like a, a college athlete, like soon to be pro athlete, hopefully, like yeah, I I can't go off of like plant a foot further back. It's It's all about how did that last step feel? Did it feel long? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of felt like I was breaking with my foot. Like, yeah. Because I can feel these things now that I – you talked about the hierarchy of uh, – what was it? Well, it's like the four stages of like skill acquisition. That's what it was, yeah. So great book, uh, Body, Mind, Mastery by Dan Millman. He talks about it and it's like the first stage of skill acquisition, like you have no idea what's going on. You need yep. an outsider like a coach to be yep. like, hey – like you were really under on that right. one, you know? You, you're planting with your arm like next to your ear. <laughs> yeah. Then the second level of skill acquisition, you, you know, you feel things after the fact. So you run down, you jump, you know, oh my God, that was under. Like you feel it afterwards. Right. The third level of skill acquisition, according to Dan Millman, is that you are aware of what mistakes are about to happen and you adjust. So let's say like you feel like, oh damn, this is going to be under. I'm, I'm like kind of stretching my steps. It's like you might try to get your hands up a little bit earlier, make some kind of technical adjustment to still complete the jump. And then the fourth level is you know ahead of time what mistakes you may make. Like maybe you're going to charge out the back and you're like, wait, don't do that. You don't make that mistake so you hit the right step. So those are the four levels. And yeah, it comes down to feeling. If you don't feel the difference – you won't be able no, to fix it. Not, no. it. It was funny with uh, Co- Coach Rowling yeah. this morning. We were talking about that too, even as far as strength and conditioning coaches, because with the exercises, again, you have to feel the exercise. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about that uh, Tom Cruise movie, Days of Thunder. Yeah. So it's like he's in the, in the bar and Robert Duvall, his crew chief, comes in. He's like, look, we, we got off to a bad start. Let's restart. He goes, listen, you tell me how to set up the car. He goes, if it feels tight, I'll loosen it up. If it's yeah. loose... I'll tighten it up. You tell me what to do, Tom, and I'll take care of it. And Tom Cruise is like, I can't do that. He goes, no, you can't. I just told you. I'll, I'll do whatever you want, Tom. Right. And he's like, no, you don't get it. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just drive. <laughs> and if that's how you pull vault, you're going to be in trouble. Like, you have to be able to feel these differences. Right, right. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, at this point, it's it's all about feeling. I think Coach Moffat kind of instilled that me in, in that me. That in me, in a very early portion of my career, so mm-hmm. now that I'm here – I'm kind of understanding that. I've gotten the technical mumbo jumbo words like numbers. Like I've got all that figured yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody can, if you study hard enough, you can figure all that out. You yeah. can read all the literature, you can find it out. But I'm at the point now where I really feel the mistakes, and I think I'm on a verge of like fixing a lot of big things that I'm working on. Yeah. So, well, and, and something I think we talked about this week, and you know, everybody talks about periodization with like, let's say, lifting and running. Mm-hmm. 
but you have to periodize your jumping too, and it kind of comes down to drill selection, right? About period, like like peaking at the right time, is that what you're right? Saying? Right, like not okay. just peaking at the right time, but not like you know how we were talking about like some people end up running through a lot, or this yeah. doesn't work, that yeah. doesn't work, and some of that periodization comes in like look early season, you want to be drilling the things that you want to fix. So let's say like it was like we did a jump up drill with yeah. the kids at the end of practice today. So that's something that you introduce, and maybe it's just like a little two step, four step drill. You start to cue that while they're jumping and doing smaller drills. When eventually they get back to the season, now that's instilled because you've gotten them to drill to almost a perfect level that when they go back to their full approaches, they'll be able to do that and they'll be ready. You know. Okay, so the, yeah, the way that I always talk to my kids about is I say drills are like puzzle pieces. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing I'm doing these drills with you so that you can put this puzzle together, and right. then I want you to frame the puzzle. And put it up on your wall, and that framed puzzle is your pole vault. That is right. your vault. Okay, yeah, yeah. so so like when we like, I'll take for instance, like Matt, for instance, today was having trouble pulling his arms through and through the pole and being able to turn. So I was like, Matt, do you remember that time where I took a med ball? It was like a six pound med ball. I said, put it down at your left, bend over, put it down at your left foot. Now turn and toss it in the air as high as you can. I made him do that like fifteen times. He's like, what's the point of this? I was like, don't worry, you'll figure it out. We were doing the drill today. I'm like, you remember Talk that? Talk about a karate kid moment. Yeah. Wax on, wax on. Yeah. And so I was like, don't worry. Like, you'll figure it out. It's about the turn. He goes, okay, whatever. We're doing the drills, or we're doing these drills today. And he's having trouble with that. And I'm like, Matt, remember the med ball? Remember how we threw the med ball? I'm like, do that motion in the air. I'm trying to put the puzzle together. And and think about it. that goes, ties right into that, that whole idea of like feelings. Yeah. You got him to think about a feeling right. that he made. And I was like, oh, okay, I can recreate this now yeah. in this drill. So that, that goes, that's a good point. Anything your coach ever gives you, don't mindlessly do it, right? Just like you're eating, right? Don't mindlessly eat. Don't mindlessly do drills. If you're just, if, if Matt was just there, just tossing this med ball over and over again, like, He's not going to get what he should out of the drill, right? Right. But as far as gotta put my cat back down, yeah. As far as um, feeling it, like I, I don't know if Matt felt it. Matt's not very good at communicating me, with me about those <laughs> things. But if Matt was like taking each rep slowly, and he goes, "Okay, here I go. I'm about to do this rep. I'm going to feel my obliques open up. I'm going to feel my yeah, shoulders rotate. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to feel my hips rotate, and then I'm going to freaking throw this ball." Okay. That's a good set. That's a good rep. Well, something that Roman Bicharnikov always uh, talked to me about is like he has this like idea. He calls it the rule of 85. He says you have to be 85% proficient in a drill in order for it to carry over to the more difficult task. Yeah. So the thing I always use an ex- as an example to the kids is like let's say you do 10 pole drops, right? 10 yeah. planting drills standing. Well, one, what's 85% of 10? Right, but in real life, you can't get half credit, right? Right. So it's like the trick of it is like you got to get that ninth one right. So you're you're getting 90% at that point. So you have to almost be perfect in drills. And it's like if you can't do that standing planting drill, what chance do you have at a pole run? No. Oh, my God, it gets more difficult. And then it's like, oh, pole vaulting? Maybe we want to try race walk. Well, that's what my kids hate is I'll I'll give them the simplest thing. Like today, you may have seen I was doing with Abby. We took this PVC pipe, super flexible. Mm -hmm. We were trying to work on leading with her left arm into the plant, and she did it. And I was like, oh, that looks great. She did it again. I was like, oh, that looks awesome. She goes, okay. She put it down. I'm like, wait, no. Do 20 more of those. And she right. goes, ugh. And I'm like, yeah, yeah sorry. Do two, 20 more. Like doing two or three of something, you're not going to get anything. Really, right. you just got to drill stuff into your head. 
Well, and Alan Launder, who wrote Beginner to Book, you know, one of the lines he had in the book was like, repetition is the key. Yeah. You know, repetition is so huge because talk about those like neural receptors and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and making that neural connection. It's like only through that repetition are you building those uh, synapses. And actually, I posted something, I think, on the Apex Facebook page. There was a video that talked about like what basically is happening when you when you do a movement over and over is the sheath around um, the myelin sheath. Yeah, yeah, that thickens, so it's like electrical wiring. They yeah, yeah, it. myelin like, sheath is like a little bit of a fatty sheath, and so it lets electric currents travel through faster. Right, right. Yeah. So it's just like wiring. Yeah, if you yeah. have better insulation, you're not going to lose any electricity. Absolutely. You know? So it's like that's what you're doing, and that's why, like you said, you have to be actually thinking about your drills and trying to perfect them, so that when you go back to that vault, it all comes together. You know. Yeah. Yeah, something, and this is a little bit more higher up, but like something that I got from Owen, uh, he was a vaulter. When I was a freshman, he was a senior at Sanford. Okay. He he told me at the back of the runway, I wasn't jumping because my foot was broken at the time, but he was, he was at the back of the runway. He goes, Trey, if you take a vault and you're not thinking about one specific thing, you just wasted your time and your energy. Yeah. If you go to the back of the runway and you just go and everything's the same, you just wasted your time. So that kind of stuck with me. And now every time I go back, I'm thinking about I'm applying something of a drill. I'm thinking I'm applying some cue that my coach gave me. Yeah. But that that's a big thing too. It's like we talk about thinking through these drills, but a little bit higher up on like this the pyramid of like hierarchy, you gotta be thinking about what you're doing in the vault, like the entire thing. Yeah. Just just think about one thing, right? It only has to be one you don't have to think about running and then planting high and then swinging well but there's got to be some purpose to why you're running down the runway you know it can't just be like hey let's just get through this today and then we can go get lunch no it's like you have to have a purpose and an intent for that practice and for that particular jump like i i always talk to kids about like look listen you might have failed a test today your boyfriend girlfriend might have broke up with you you know you lost your job you you got in a car accident whatever parents are going to be pissed at you but here's the thing on this runway there's only one thing you can impact in your life, and that's your jump. Yep. You know, I can't – if my girlfriend broke up with me, uh, my pole vaulting right now is not going to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. So I might as well just, like, live fully in this moment yep. and deal with what I can. You yeah. Know? I, my kids all the time, they'll, they'll get – they'll land in the pit, get off the pit. They'll come over to me. I was like, so what were you thinking about that jump? And they were like, uh, I don't know. I was just trying to jump high. I'm like, what were you doing to jump high? And they are like – uh, I don't know. I was like, so you weren't really doing anything to make to try to jump higher? Yeah. And they were like, well, no, not really. And I go, okay, well. And then I give them, like, r- whatever, give them a cue. They go to the back of the runway. They're about to go, about to pick up their pole. I'll be like, so-and-so, what are you thinking about right now? And every time they'll be like, uh, uh. And yeah. they'll have to remind them. And they're like, right. okay. And so it'll take like two or three times. And then I'll be like, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about my drive knee. Yeah. All right, cool. And that's how you get to jump on. Well, and, and, and that's the important role of a coach is like you have to make people understand that they have to have that purpose. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And once they get that, man, it's like coaching is is a breeze. Um, something that I also mentioned today to, to one of your guys, it was, it was the kid who's a freshman now. I think you said he jumps 12. Uh, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to him and it was like, look, I think a lot of times, you know, this is what I love about the pole vault is like. Many other track and field events or some other sports, they're kind of like just really have like almost one aspect to them. But with pole vaulting, you have to be a masterful sprinter. 
You have to be a masterful long jumper because you're jumping up at takeoff. And then we've got to do gymnastics yeah. off the ground. And and then think about it like we talked about uh, the nutrition that needs to go into our bodies and the training that needs to go into our bodies. It's like you can't just have jacked up legs or you nope. can't just be like strong upper body. It's like you're trying to make your whole body work in unison. And it's very rare to see a sport that's kind of like that, you know, because yeah, no, even you look at football, like quarterback. All right. For the most part, they just got a great arm. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Running back, great legs. You know, they don't even have good hands most of the time, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so it's like, and in track, like, forget about it. Like sprinters. Yeah. They're fast, but what upper body wise, they're not probably not that strong. And you, you spoke about today, um, the testing that you guys do in the preseason, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe describe that. Yeah, so just real quick, I mean, like, we do a testing called the quadrathlon, which I don't think Coach Tiffin made it up. I don't think he did, but we do use it like he did. Like, it's his yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's awesome, awesome testing. So it's quadrathlon, four events, uh, standing backwards overhead shot throw, a standing broad jump, a standing broad triple jump, right? So that's two legs, three jumps into the sand. And then a, a 30 meter dash, okay. And the, the scores you get, like let's say you ran a three five in the 30 meter dash, you get you get a certain amount of points, just like a decathlon, right? right? And so uh, you tally that all up. You take that early in the fall, which I'm going to do with my kids, my Vestavia kids, mm -hmm. like next Friday. I think I'm going to do. I don't. I'm not going to do it this Friday because they're really going to be sore. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I kind of yeah. want to get a sort yeah. of good his, test. His kids were hurting today. Yeah, they <laughs> were. They were hurting. But um. But yeah. So you do all those. You get a pretest. You do all of your fall training, you do all your plyometrics, you do all your strength training. I mean, not all of it, but you do your fall stuff. And then you take it again, you see how much better you've gotten. And every single year, I improve. And I not only do I like improve, but like like my my personal record is 325, which is the school record. I scored 320. That was the that was the last time I took it, so that was the post-test last yeah. this last fall. My pre-test, I scored 320. Year before that, the post test, I scored 318. Oh, sorry, I was saying three. I said, yeah, I think that's in three. Yeah, yeah, so 318. And then the year before that, I scored lower. So it's like I'm always getting better, but then as far as pre and post tests, I'm getting better, better, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. No, and, and that just goes to show, I mean, like, again, he said he's a school record holder and he's a pole vaulter because I really see, like, pole vaulters are such complete athletes. Yeah. You know, we, we have so much so much athleticism we need, and then it's so high skill. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah, three-point shooters are very skilled, but they don't always have to be that athletic. No, you know what yeah. I mean? If somebody sets a screen, they get open, they get to shoot the ball. Steph Curry is six feet tall. That's not his own fault, but he's not athletic, right? Being athletic in basketball is being six foot eight. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So he's, he's a good three-point shooter, but right, he's not athletic. Right, right, right. And it's like in, in pole vault, we, we can't have any holes in our game. And, yeah. um, you know, we're about hour 22 minutes into this. So yeah, this yeah. is longer than the first one. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, what a great podcast. I mean, I think both of them were amazing. Uh, this one, certainly, if you want to know about nutrition, training, and, and just te the way to approach the technical stuff, this was awesome. And, again, I can't thank you enough for having me down here in Dude, Alabama. it was so much fun. Yeah, it yeah. was a blast. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We went climbing. We worked out and then like most of the time was just spent talking honestly yeah like, i feel yeah. like you and i could just straight up talk and talk and talk it's like my <laughs> voice kind of hurts right now how yeah, much we've been yeah, talking yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. just cool just disseminating this information you and i like shared files last yeah, night like that's yeah, just yeah, yeah. that's so cool to find somebody like that so appreciate yeah. appreciate you coming uh, down man. awesome experience and yeah. uh you know thanks thanks again for having me trey definitely